0: we're talking about God's vision for sex. Now, I do want to preface this. It's going to be PG, PG-13. Um, there was a day where, you know, the younger the kid, the more you would try to protect. And, you know, you'd be like, well, they're not going to listen to that till they're 16. And I just want to challenge you that in today's environment, as a parent, to make sure when topics are taught like this in church... That we bring our kids and our family to it, not run away from it, because someone is teaching your kid about this. And in not being deliberate about teaching it, that means we're allowing the world to define it. And whoever defines it, whoever talks about it first defines it. And so we ought to be having the talk with our kids. You know, I remember my kids, my boys, we go on daddy dates and take time and uh, I was taking them out and I was going through these books that helped us talk a little bit more about sex. And my my son, Carson said, dad, if you read another one of those books, I ain't going on another date with you. (laughs) But what was my point? My point is, I'm going to help you define this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to be embarrassed to talk about it. Nobody talked to me about sex. It was almost taboo. You know, you didn't really, my parents, I didn't see a whole lot of that or affection in front of me, and unfortunately, I learned the wrong way. Trial and error, friends, what I saw on television, and today, we live in a hyper-sexualized culture. I don't have to tell you that. Not only is Victoria trying to show you all her secrets, so is everybody else. I mean, you just watch a movie, you just watch a sitcom, and here's what's crazy, everybody's doing it, and ain't nobody married. I mean, at least when it was inferred in the past, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it'd be like, well, they're married. Now, ain't nobody, tell me the last time you saw two people doing it and they were married. Why? Because the devil, the God of this world, wants you to get his vision on perverted sex. He wants you to see. That's what television is, right? Tell the vision. And so we sit there and we let our kids watch it. now today, I mean, we have homosexual relationships. That's in every show, every movie. I mean, so there is no real definition of what true godly sex is and what does it mean and how to cultivate it and what's God's vision for it. And so I'm glad today that I get to actually talk about it because I think the world has it backwards. And that's where Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Look at what he says. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. So don't allow the world to change you. See, God's got a pattern, but you know, the world has a pattern. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will is his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will is. So how do we get God's perfect vision for godly sex? We got to talk about it. We got to see what the Bible says about it. We've got to not allow it to be taboo. And, and you know, the thing about culture is that culture is not only what you teach, it's what you don't teach. It's the absence of teaching. It's the absence of training up and raising up. And we just want to be a church. Listen, I don't know about you. I'm married. I've been married 22 years. I want a good sex life. I got three people. Men, you'll be like, whoo. Women, come on, right? I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what you want for your kids? Some of you are like, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I want. I want my kids to be madly in love. I want them to, to, to have great, godly sex. God designed... Look, you got to be careful. The reason we pause like that in church is because for us, sex has attached with it a lot of shame. What it's to... You know, it's all the things that you know are wrong, what you did wrong, what people are doing wrong. But what you got to understand is the world didn't create sex, so the world can't define sex. God created it, and it goes back to: Are we going to allow the world to hijack it? Are we going to celebrate it? We're to say, God, this is amazing. It's a gift that you have given to us, and so we choose to celebrate it. We choose to talk about it, and so that we can create healthy, life-giving marriages where intimacy, intimacy is expressed in the right way. God created sex. And uh, we've got to be real careful because we live in a world where they've cast off restraint. And if we're not careful, the church will look just like the world. In fact, a lot of relationships do. I mean, you'd be dating in the church and be having just as much sex and be unmarried like you are in the world. There's got to be a difference. Like, no, 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 no. We're going to wait. Come on, somebody. You don't test drive intimacy. No, we wait. Why? Because true love waits It's not just a cliche, it's a fact. When you truly love someone, you want to experience it in the context that God designed it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Sex experienced in the context of covenant relationship and marriage is beautiful. And I just want to, you know, and I said this last week in the first service and second service, but I just want to reiterate it here because it's very, very important to me. As we talk about sex, as we talk about marriage, as we talk about relationships, you didn't come to a self-help seminar. You came to church. And so what you're asking me to do as the pastor is to tell you what God says about it, not my opinion, Not what the world says about it. Listen, sex is between one man and one woman in covenant relationship in marriage. Now, I know, listen to me, that doesn't make some people happy and someone might even get offended. I would challenge you with this. Don't get offended at me. I'm your pastor now like I was just before I said that same sentence. Can I tell you this? I'm not saying everybody in this room agrees with that. And can I tell you this? I'm okay with that. I'm okay if we don't agree. Look, you don't have to believe to belong. That's God's job. My job is to tell you what God's Word says, and then your job is to make up your own mind on what you're going to do after hearing the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't let this be something that divides you and runs you out of the church. Hey, we all have different opinions, but you came to hear what the Word of God said, so I'm going to tell you. Now, how did we go wrong? How did the church go wrong in all of this? I, I think when we look back... The difference on the way we address this topic was that we address sex through restraint. So it's like, don't have sex, don't date him, don't date her, don't do that, don't watch that. And the problem is restraint without revelation leads to rebellion. (laughs) So restraint, and don't, and don't, and don't. Come on, think about this. If I, if I had a button that said, push this, and I set it down on the stage and said, hey, don't push that button, what would you want to do? Some of you might even get up and say, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Why? Just because I said, don't. Think, think about if I said, don't date her. Don't date him. Come on, what's that make you want to do? Some of you married him or her. <laughs> Yeah, why? Because it's the forbidden fruit. It's the, you said no, so I'm going to do it. And the truth is, what we've done is we've cast restraint without revelation. We need to give people a vision. Let me give you a vision of what it could be. Let me give you a vision of what God says it should be. And then when we have a vision, you voluntarily restrain yourself. I don't have to tell you don't. you got a vision for what you're living for. Think about when you were on your fitness journey. Some of you, you still thinking about it. <laughs> Some of us were on it. And, but look, when you got a fitness journey, there's a goal. It's like, I want to reach this goal. I want to lose this amount of weight. I want to look like this. Nobody has to beg me to go to the gym. Right. Nobody has to restrain my diet from what I eat and what I do. No, I've planned my life around it. Why? Because I have a vision. Your pastor is going to live to be 175, fit, good-looking, strong. it like 175. Yeah. Why? I have a vision for it. The challenge with sex right now is it's all been restraint. There's no vision. When we give you a vision for godly intimacy and sex, it's like, no, no, no. You can't just date anybody. Why? Because you got a vision for what your marriage is going to look like. You won't allow some dude that is smooth with all his pickup lines to come over and sweep you off your feet. No, no, no. Why? Because you got a vision of what your marriage is going to look like. And so when you have a vision, now there's discipline. There's great discipline, and I think a lot of people are making bad decisions about sex just because they got the wrong information. The devil has sold them a lie, and they've believed it. The first lie is this. Sex is just physical. Sex is just a physical act between two consenting people. And here's people's mentality that as long as it's consensual, it's okay. It's a physical act. It doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't hurt anyone. And the mentality is, hey, what's, what's done in Vegas what's, stays in Vegas. And I want you to know that's not the truth. Yeah. That though you may never talk about it, though it may be in some quiet corner of your past experiences, that moment affects everything in your life after that moment. That sex is not just Physical, it's spiritual and emotional. There's a soul component that is attached to it. And when you treat sex just like it's physical, that's how you end up living your life with the scars from the wounds of past sexual relationships. Look at what first Corinthians 6:18 says. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee, run. Sexual immorality is any kind of sexual uh, thoughts, activities that are outside the covenant of marriage. And it says all other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. In other words, we wound ourselves in the deepest way possible when we sin sexually. And I think we know this intuitively. Now, if we stop to really evaluate and think about it, let me, let me help you understand how we know this. If sex was just physical, then someone who was raped or sexually abused should be able to just get over it. It would be just like a bruise on your leg, a broken arm, time would fix it. Now how many know if you've been sexually abused or been raped or you know someone, It ain't something you just get over. It's like at the core of who you are, the deepest part of you, there is trauma that has taken place, and it's not just going to have time, make it better. You go to counseling. You get in small groups. You pray. You ask the Lord to help heal you from that moment. Why? Because sex is not just physical. It goes to the very core and essence of who you are, and yet the world would constantly play it on TV like it's just a physical act. Doesn't really matter. Why? Because if the devil can have you believe that, even though you're saved, he will cause you to live in bondage your entire Christian life. And that's what he wants. See, God saved you. It's amazing. But now he wants to keep you trapped. The devil, your enemy, wants you to stay trapped so that you can be going to heaven and yet live on this earth defeated. Never experiencing God's victory or power in your life. Listen to me, single people, young people. Sexuality is fragile. Liken it to a flower. It should be nurtured and taken care of. It should be protected. You don't let anybody just come in and steal your sexuality. You hold that for the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And here is what is amazing. Married people, I don't know about you, but the longer you're married, the better sex gets. I don't know if it's just me and Phyllis. I mean, I don't know. I didn't come up here to try to put a front up. I want my kids to say mom and dad can't stop touching each other. Like, what in the world? Like, we're, you know, and, and it's an amazing thing. See, when, when you've done it out of the right, con- uh, in the wrong context, there's shame, there's guilt, there's condemnation, there's no intimacy, really, because you've been sold a lie that intimacy has to come with sex first, and then we become intimate. No, intimacy is first, and then sex follows, and that's what makes it so beautiful, because our soul is deeply connected, now our bodies come consummate it and it's beautiful and when that happens man marriage is wonderful that's how come you can have and there's a whole science behind it that you can be 75 and 80 and and granny 86 years old you know and she sees still see grandpa and say grandpa you fine (laughs) he's like i got dunlap disease she's like but that's the finest dunlap disease i've ever seen (laughs) That's how God, see, isn't it amazing? Because in the context, I don't care about no little foo-foo running around how young she is. I got the woman of my dreams. I got the queen of this castle. I don't need none of that other stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And it's an amazing thing. But that queen, boy, y'all, all the women, Woo! The devil's tried to hijack it. But as believers, we ought to have a church where we celebrate it. We talk about it. What does it mean to have godly intimacy? And and we know that sex is connected to the deepest part of our being. That's how come many times people's deepest regrets and darkest secrets are dealing with sexual issues. It's many times, and we hide it in shame, and we just cover it up, and then somehow we got married, and we go to church, and God's going to fix it all. That's not really how it works, but today you came to get some answers to help us have great intimacy and to break off the devil's assignment in our life. I mean, think about intimacy is to be fully known. Intimacy means there's no shame in my get, like no matter what, how, how much cellulite I got or she's got, or it's like man, there's just you're beautiful, you're beautiful. I wake up every morning and say, you are so beautiful, like every day. And there is something about that shameless life where it's like, man, I love it. Why? Because God created it. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse twenty-five. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Isn't that amazing? Felt no shame. In fact I heard a story about a pastor back in the day. Uh, He would go and visit people that had come to visit the church and one day he goes to a lady's house and he's doing a visitation which by the way don't worry we have a no hassle guarantee nobody's coming to knock on your door after you leave this service. He's knocking on the door like the old school and nobody answers and he knocks again nobody answers again and one of the things the pastor did that he thought was funny is he'd leave a business card and on the business card the back side he'd write a verse on it. He wrote Revelation Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 and he left it in the wedge in the door and went on about his business. Here's what the card said. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me. (laughs) He thought it was funny, went on about his business, and next Sunday he gets that same card in the offering plate, and an usher brings it up to him, and on the back side of that business card, there was a passage of Scripture that was written on it. It was Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Well, the pastor didn't know the passage, so he goes and gets his Bible, he opens it up to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, and here's what it said. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, <laughs> so I hid. <laughs> Now back to Adam and Eve. (laughs) They were naked and married and unashamed. And for them, that sexual intimacy was beautiful. And for us, it's beautiful. It's not shameful. And and we can handle it with care. And, And let me help you understand it just a little bit more, too, because... You can say, okay, pastor, I get it. It's more than just physical, but help me understand. Well, God is a triune God in nature. So in other words, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. He created us in the same way. Kevin, I feel like I'm about to ring out or something. He created us the same way. We are spirit, soul, and body. So you are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. So we're created in the image of God. So your spirit is God-conscious, your soul is me conscious or us conscious, and your body is earth conscious. You with me? And so try union being. Now, the only thing that gets saved or perfected at salvation when you surrender your life to Jesus is your spirit. Think about that. So you give your life to Christ, you pray the prayer, surrender your heart to him. Your spirit is saved instantly, but now your body and your soul go through a process of what we call sanctification. By walking in the spirit, I'm sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. So I have to teach my body new habits. I have to teach my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, new thoughts, new patterns, a new way of living. Now my spirit is brand new, but all the other has to be sanctified through a process. Are you with me? Now a Christian gets confused because a Christian says, well listen, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. Like instantly everything ought to be changed and transformed forever. And it's just simply not true. Your spirit receives the revelation from God and then your soul makes a decision on what you'll do and then tells your body to do it. Let me show you. John chapter 3 verse 6. That which is born Of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Now, here's what you need to understand you can give your spirit to God and be saved, and yet still be connected to someone else with your soul. So I'm saved. But I still have a connection with someone else at the deepest level in my soul. We call those soul ties. Now, if you look in the Bible, you're not going to find the word soul tie. But what you will find are other words joined together. Look look at some of the passages that you're going to see. In Genesis chapter, or the words, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. See, in the context of how God designed it, you weren't intended to have sex with multiple partners. You were to come together in a covenant of marriage one time, and then as you do, and you're having a sexual intimately, uh, intimately sexual relationship, you are joined together. And to think about this. If you've ever scrambled some eggs, you can get one egg here, crack it, put it in the bowl, get another egg here, crack it, put it in the bowl, and you scramble them up, How many know you can't unscramble scrambled eggs? It's the same thing with intimacy. Joined together, brought together, united together. That's how God intended it. So a soul tie is actually an attack from the enemy on God's assignment for your life. Look at it in the wrong context. Watch. Soul tie is an attachment in our mind and our emotions to a person that can influence the choices that we make with our will. Now, in a marriage relationship, how many know you want to be able to influence your spouse? Come on, come on! I, can I, I want to influence my spouse, but think about this: I got a big amen from Coach. Come on, somebody! <laughs> I want to, I want to have it. But think about being married. Nobody's told you about this, and yet you find yourself on a bad day thinking about that person that you were intimate with ten years ago. Out of the blue, you smell something, hear something, feel something, and then you go back to that moment. And now your will, your, your, your emotions, your mind is kind of, it's, it's being pulled back in a direction. Now you've been happily married for 10 years, but something happened to reignite that soul tie that, that has never been taken apart or, or cut off. Think about the, the time where you see somebody or you'll hear a song. It'll make you think about a past relationship. We're not talking about the quality of your marriage. We're talking about the connection from one soul to another soul. And unless that soul tie is broken, you are forever being pulled back and forth through the intimate sexual relationships that you had in the past. Come to church, love God, love your spouse, trying to keep it together. And yet you're being pulled and you don't even know why. Some of you have ruined relationships because of this. You couldn't tell you why, but you go back to that person. That You go back to calling and texting, and you'll do good. Maybe you're single, and you go back to that old boyfriend that you're trying to get away from. It's because you're connected at the deepest level, which is what God intended with the right person. The problem is you did it with the wrong person. And now the enemy is using that as an assignment to pull you away from God's best for your life. Look at Matthew chapter 19 verse 6. So they're no longer two but one. See, that's what the Bible talks about, marriage. No longer two, but one. And I I, kind of laugh, kind of upset. You know, people say we're getting divorced for irreconcilable differences. Have you ever met a man or a woman that was reconcilable, that didn't have irreconcilable differences? Come on, somebody. I mean, it's like, well, we just, we're not compatible. Have you ever met a man or a woman that think exactly the same? No. So what is the emulsifier? What is the thing where it's like, man, I'm telling you, and if you're not looking at porn and you're not going after other people, when you are in an intimate relationship with your spouse, you're gonna fix some things, baby. You're like, hey honey, how do we fix this? Because you and I, we gotta have some us time tonight. That emo- come on, women, you know what I'm talking about. That emulsifier is like, man, I got I, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna fix it. How? She wants to talk. I don't want to talk, but if we're gonna get to that, we gotta talk. Come on, somebody. Well, if you've got porn happening on the side, cheap, no cost, you just go say anything, do anything, play anything, whatever, it's easy. You just get out of this relationship that is real, and you'll go to something that isn't even real, and you're more addicted to that than the person God brought you to. Uh Got to be careful. An ungodly soul tie is a bond that has become a bondage. See, you thought that person was your soulmate, and now they become a soul tie. And an ungodly soul tie is an assignment against your destiny. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Don't kid yourself. He's not playing around. He he can't take your salvation, but he can rob you of your destiny. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. This is what we want from God today. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. In Christ Jesus. Some of you recognize today that you've got ungodly soul ties and you've been tormented. What's wrong with me? I don't understand why I can't ever get over them. It's like we do good, but today we're going to break that ungodly soul tie. And I want to show you a physical picture of what that would look like in a relationship as well. Alexis, you and Elvis, come up here real quick for me. Get up for Alexis and Elvis. Yeah. My man, I, uh, I could embarrass these two, these are my kids right here. Uh, I'm going to do a skip for you. I'm actually not going to do a skip, but i want to walk you through what it would look like. This is all fictitious, none of it's real, so please don't go back and it's all made up. But I'm going to use it so that you get what I'm talking about because today you're going to be set free. And you're going to help your kids and my kids. We're going to live with kids that understand this principle and do not do things the way the world does. So they've come to me, they're saying, Pastor, we are ready to get married. We're excited about this. Elvis and Alexis, they're like, we want to do it Right, we want to stay pure. Would you come and marry me? I said, absolutely, let me marry you. Now let me give you a little bit of a backstory with these two. These two love God, but they hadn't always lived for God in all the moments of their life. Elvis here, he came to church about a year or two ago at the movies, and he wasn't living for God back then, but came to at the movies. God touched him in a powerful way. He gave his life to Christ, started serving on the worship team. That's where he met Miss Alexis. They hit it off, had great chemistry. Now, Alexis, she's been raised in church. She'd been here for practically her whole life and uh, has been around church, in church, tried to live for God her whole uh, church life. And so she's doing pretty good. These guys decide to get married. But the problem is, it's not really just these two standing here. They have what we call relational baggage. Now, you can't see it naturally, but I'm going to show it to you right now. Come on out here. Let's see all the baggage that they bring with them. This is some of the soul ties. Yeah. See, you thought you was just you and your honey boo. Well, he's getting married because nobody really talked about it, right? So you and your honey but you're you're up here. Now here's the challenge. We got Elvis, he just gave his life to the Lord just a year ago. He didn't even know about sexual purity. He was just doing what the world showed. Hey, we're going to go have sex. It's casual, it's all physical. But he said, no, 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 not no more. But the problem is, back in his past, he had sex with Jekira and many other girls. He was addicted to porn and this is just one of them represented here. So Jekira was here. They're sexually intimate. Now the problem Jakira didn't tell Elvis, but Ja'Kyra's been sexually active, and she's got relationships she's had from the past. And you can imagine how the chain goes on and on, uh, people's relational baggage. That's just Elvis. Now you got Alexis. Alexis is a good girl. Alexis, hey, she tried to live for God. The problem is Jeremiah is such a cutie pie. And Jeremiah was on the worship team, and he told her he was going to marry her. And she had never really had a real deep relationship. And she trusted him and said, okay, it's going to be me, you, and God. And he said, okay, but we need to test drive intimacy. She said, no. He said, well, we need to test drive it if you want to stay together. So she gave in, had sex with Jeremiah. And so what she didn't know is that Jeremiah was addicted to porn. And he had other sexual relationships as well. So it was just a one-time thing. But now she's coming to this relationship with soul ties and baggage. This is a representation of how all of us come into our marriage, if you've had sexual intimacy with anybody, Other than your spouse And here's the deceptive part That if we don't talk about it Which is why I'm glad you let me talk about it today You can come in and out of church You're married to the person of your dreams And you're fighting all of this junk From the past And you don't even know why You're like what in the world is wrong with me Nothing's wrong with you per se You've just been trapped by the enemy Through the bondage of demonic soul ties Here's what we're going to do today We're going to break these demonic soul ties Y'all could go bye-bye. Y'all stay. So that the marriage has a fighting chance. Right? How many know marriage is hard enough? And so what we want to do is say, hey, look, we're going to have you guys start on the right foot. Now, now again, God's going to have to wash away your mind. And I'll tell you, Pastor Phyllis and I have been married 22 years. And uh, it's been amazing. I love you guys. They've uh, been married 22 years. Here's what's uh, amazing, is it was not amazing, it was sad. We actually had other sexual relationships, but I dated her when I was 15 and 16. We were 15, 16. And back then, we dated for a year and two months. We loved each other so much, we said we would stay sexually pure. All we ever did were 15 and 16 was kiss. We never, we never did anything other than that. And then when we got engaged again, we had had other sexual relationships, but I told her and she told me, she's like, listen, you and I, we're for real. Like, I want to do this one right. Listen, if a man says he won't wait, he ain't the right one. If a woman says she won't wait, she ain't the right one. And look, I'm not saying you're not going to make a mistake, but can we at least fight for purity? Can we at least try? Like, my God, I mean, we fought for it. And lo and behold, look, we didn't have sex. Now, she did attack me, and you heard it last week in the hot tub. And it was very difficult after that. But here's what I know. That The beautiful thing about God is that though we'd had other sexual relationships, as we broke off these soul ties, it was one of the first things, thank God my mom sent us off to a weekend. And and again, that whole weekend was about breaking demonic soul ties. And it allowed us to really start the marriage off right, even though we had made other mistakes. And here's what's amazing. 22 years later, it's almost like your mind is just purified. It's like, I don't even remember people that I'd had other encounters with. And I'm telling you, God will do the same thing for you. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to make a commitment. And as you do it, we're going to see God bless marriages in this church. We're going to have healthy, sexual, sexually intimate relationships. And God is going to thrive. I want my kids to say, I want to be just like my parents. I'm telling you. So here, Here's a couple of things. I'm going to give you two points, and then we're gonna. I'm going to give you how to break a soul tie. If you're single, commit to stay pure until you're married. That's your takeaway. If you're single, commit to stay pure until you're married. Now, if you're married, commit to staying pure within your marriage. So that means no looking at porn. That means no getting any other need. I know I hate that you even have to say that. You know, but you have to say it because it is so common. They're like, "Oh, is married, but you still look at porn." No, 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 no. You're going outside of your relationship. If you'd stop looking at porn, you'd work harder on your marriage. I'm telling you. And so uh, here we go. Uh, Anyway, I got a little sidetracked on that. Oh, here's what I was going to say. And it's not even just looking at porn. Listen, if you're getting emotional connection outside of your marriage. You're getting those attaboys. Someone's acknowledged you. Someone's noticed you. Listen, you got to commit to stay pure in your relationship within your marriage. Can I get an amen? Okay, sever any and all ungodly soul ties. Here's how you do it. Severing ungodly soul ties. First thing is you surrender your life to Jesus. Band, you guys can go ahead and come on out. Surrender your life to Jesus. you got to have a relationship with God because he's what breaks the power of the enemy off of your life. So you surrender. I'll give you a moment. Pastor Joleo, will lead you in a prayer a little bit later in just a moment. We'd love to help that experience happen for you today. Second thing is you got to repent and confess. Now, there's a difference between just confessing and repenting. How many have ever said something because you got caught? You're like, oh, I got caught. I'm sorry. No, no, that's repentance. It's not just you got caught. Repentance means, man, I was going in this direction. There's a changing of the mind. See, you came in here one way this morning, or you're watching one way this morning, and what God's word has done has changed your mind. You're like, it's not just physical. What I did in the past was not. God's will or God's plan. And so there's a repentance. And so what you gotta do is you just say, God, please forgive me. I had sexual encounters with people, and I whether you knew it was wrong or didn't know it was wrong, I, nowadays I think there's a lot of people who don't even know it's, it's wrong. Either way, you just simply repent and then confess. God, I, I choose your way, I choose your word. And then third thing is you release and remove. You're gonna ask God to release you of the soul tie. And as he's releasing the soul tie, here's what you want to ask him God, would you restore what the enemy stole? Release the soul tie, renounce it, and then God restore what the enemy stole. And then the remove part, let me explain the remove part. You know, when Phyllis and I got married, we had to go back then, we had photo albums. And some of you like, photo album. Now it's all digital, you know. We actually went through the photo album. We sat in the living room. And it's like, get rid of this picture. Get rid of that picture. Get rid of this. Come on, you don't need no mixtapes from somebody you ain't with no more. Come on, somebody. It ain't that good. Make a new mixtape. Come on, you, you see what I'm talking about? You, you got that candle they bought you. You got that, whatever it is, you got to get rid of the trinkets. It's practical, and yet it's so necessary because here's what will happen. You walk out of here, renounce the soul tie, but not remove the trinket. And then wonder how it pops up on the exact day that you got in the biggest fight that you've ever been in your entire life at the exact moment at your weakest moment. Well, because the devil's got a plan. You gotta remove it, get rid of it. So release and remove. And then we're gonna we pray a prayer. I, I put the prayer in your worship guide. You can also take a picture, they're gonna put it up at the top. When you release it, here's the words you use. We're gonna say this prayer together. There is a blank. In the blank, please don't put a name. Susie! <laughs> don't do it. And no, do not renounce your spouse. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Let's pray this together. Let's say, Father. Let's say it together. I renounce this soul tie with blank and break this alliance. I renounce the spirit of lust and cancel the legal right of Satan to operate this way in my life. Now, this is a prayer that you need to pray over every soul tie that comes to your mind. And here's what happened. It happened with me and Phyllis. We were in separate rooms. and You'll say one. And then you think, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. And so it's like, okay, God, whatever. Maybe it was an emotional. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, you renounce that person. Does that make sense? And so we're renouncing it. And then how many do you do? Until you're clean. And then maybe something happens and and you remember someone else later down the road, pull out this prayer, pray it again, confess, say, God, forgive me. I'm changing the way I live my life. And you renounce the soul tie. And you cannot have someone just renounce it off of you. You're the one that connected with the person. You're the one that's got to break it off that person, with that person. And then here's the other deal. Do I call them like, hey, I just want you to know I renounced you. I renounced that soul tie. You ain't got no more hold on me. No, no, just, just bye-bye. Just let them go. You don't have to tell a ship you untied it from the dock. You just untie it and let them drift away. You ain't got to call them nothing. And so it's really powerful. And then here's what I want you to do after that. You're going to feel lighter. You just rejoice. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. And then you just repeat however many times you've got to do it.